There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hey, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show again today. Um, I'm with uh, a wonderful guest, um, Farron Drury, and uh, we're going to be uh, talking about all sorts of things, about getting um, being, being the best that you can be today. And, um, and Farron has got some incredible content to share with us and, and thoughts and ideas. So um, we're going to be uh, introducing you to Farron very shortly. And uh, before I do that... Um, I just want to say a big thank you to, well, to my guest last week, Stephen. However, we've had a number of guests of late that have really inspired me. Uh, we've had quite a lot of uh, comments from people as well. People love the show with Tom Campbell. Um, all sorts of uh, thoughts and ideas there. And, and, and I'm certainly been thinking about how I eliminate any fear in my life and, and just bring kind of love to my clients, to my family, and, uh, and just consider where I fit in the kind of stream of consciousness and the, and the work that I do. And that's just left me with all sorts of ideas. Yesterday, I wrote actually 15 things that I'd learned from uh, Tom Campbell um, that at some point will get published on the website. So do take a look at that and we'll, we'll reference it on Facebook as well. Uh, also, um, I had some wonderful comments around the interview for, with Ashley Latter. People have loved that. It's a really simple strategy to, to kind of dominate your marketplace. So uh, take a look at that one. Um, I had a note from someone about the Michael Romling interview and said, my golf has, has improved significantly <laughs> listening to that interview. Uh, and uh, something I took out of that interview that I did was I took uh, Michael's advice and I, I wrote a letter to him which was addressed the 31st of August, 2021. And I explained why I'd had a wonderful year and all the different components of it and the type of person I'd been over that year and uh, how the contribution it had made to the family and the, the, the areas that I'd um, d developed personally around my own kind of health. And, and, the, and I explained how the business had developed and grown uh, both around the show and around the, um, the, uh, the consultancy and the um, elevation work that I do with clients and, and leaders. And uh, it was hugely empowering. So I'd recommend that you do that. I'd recommend that you take that piece of paper uh, and mine was three pages in the end and just identify, write that letter and write it to somebody that you trust. You can send them to me if you like. I'll keep them in complete confidence. But just write that uh, letter and explain what's happened to you um, over the last 12 months, but dating it the 31st of uh, August or whatever date it is, 18th of September, 2021 today, and just see how that really helps you kind of manifest. Then last week's show, we had Stephen Gould, and Stephen Gould talked about uh, Kindness Transformed. We talked to that amazing project, Everard's Meadows, that uh, is one of the probably the best projects I've ever been involved in in my life, and how kindness pervades the culture at Everard's, and how um, that impacted uh, this uh, wonderful development and 70 acres of land, which are now available for uh, public use for cycling and walking and, um, and I just love the way that Stephen and his team have engaged local communities, how their tenants are pulling together, their employees pull together. Uh, in fact, my guest Farron said what a great uh, guest Stephen was um, before we started the show today. So do check all of that out. Do utilize this information to help you 
Uh, raise your own consciousness. Be the best you can be. We need people right now who can step up and solve the world's problems. And I want to provide you with content and great people to enable you to do that, as I'm trying to do uh, myself within my spheres of influence as well. Uh, if you have any questions, of course, um, or, or any points to raise, guests you'd like on the show, etc., send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. I always love to hear from you. So, to today's guest, Farron Drury. So, we're going to ask today, how do you train your mind and body to consistently show up at your best? And how do you reject victimhood and embrace life's tough experiences to lead yourself more successfully? So I'm going to be talking with uh, former British Army officer, Farron Drury, MBE, and we're going to discuss his story from broken family, brittle confidence, he describes um, having an imposter syndrome, through to someone who's known for consistently now showing up at his very best. He's a transformational leadership expert, a coach, a speaker. He's done internationally for really getting to the heart of things. And uh, what is truly important through his brand, Make It Yours. We're going to talk about five steps. So I like this with, with guests. And we can identify practical steps and strategies that can help us uh, to move things forward. And uh, these strategies he's used with and, and to help people ranging from school prefects to CEOs to World Cup winner, winners and royalty and help them leave behind old patterns of behavior and transform their results. So a huge welcome today to my guest, Baron Drury. Chris, thank you so much. Uh, that was a lovely introduction. I hope I can live up to it. Uh, it's, been, uh, it's been great to listen to your shows recently as well and the inspiring people you've had on. So really great to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's wonderful to have you as well, uh, Farron. And, uh, and I'm really, I really just generally, I've, we've spoken before, actually, and we, I found myself in an interview with you before on a, on a webinar. And uh, you're such a, a great person to to connect with and, and talk with and, uh, and and I'm just really looking forward to this conversation right now. But we're gonna we're gonna start Farron um, with well let's let's start with um, you know where where do you live in the world and uh, and kind of what's life for you like right now in this uh, rather strange period of history. Well, I live um, some slightly south of Bath. It's a beautiful city in the uh, in the southwest of England, uh, in the county of Wiltshire, right next. To the famous Wiltshire White Horse, the Westbury yeah. White Horse. We were very close to that. I played golf in a, in a little golf course right underneath it, which is which is fantastic. Um, beautiful part of the world. Um, COVID has been fascinating. Uh, on the first of April, I did um, having just gone into to lockdown. I did my first ever online Zoom uh, team day, a whole day working wow. with the, with the team. And I, and over the weekend prior to it, I bought Zoom, uh, had my my stepdaughter in one room, my wife in another, and we learned how to use it. Learned how to use breakout rooms and so on. And it's been a fantastic facility all the way through. I've done um, sizable leadership conferences for up to sixty odd people. I've done a number of team things and obviously a lot of, an awful lot of coaching. So actually. My my business has carried on uh, throughout the COVID period and, and I've had the joy really of being home a lot and spending a lot of quality time with my wife, uh, my kids, uh, you know, family um, who've been able to be with us. But it's, yeah, it's been a fascinating time and I've also done a lot of, uh, a lot of exercise to so keep myself in good nick both physically and mentally. Good for you. And have, you have you recovered from that full day on Zoom? Yeah, well, I, <laughs> it was quite something to do. And I had some brilliant feedback from people because we, had, we made a pretty good call at the beginning to have fairly regular breaks. So sort of 10, 15 minute breaks every hour. And 
and then a decent break at lunchtime and then you know use the breakout rooms uh, very cleverly so that people could have some personal conversations and or, or very intimate conversations and not really know who they were going to get to uh, and that uh, added a little frisson to the uh, to the meeting so no it went, it went amazingly well and that gave me a lot of confidence actually to run the even bigger event 60 odd on a leadership conference again all day uh, interviewing the CEO at the beginning right the way through to sort of wrapping up with her at the end having run a couple of significant sessions on leadership in crisis and building trust uh, which were which were great and, and a great session on inclusivity the, another expert came in to, to run so uh, those days are long but if, if they're structured well um, and this facility to be able to work remotely has uh, has changed things dramatically I think. Yeah, it's nice, nice, nice being able to do this and and not travel. I must admit, I've I have enjoyed working. I've been working face to face with some clients in their offices where there's been good sort of COVID management, and I've, I've it's really nice to get back to with people in the same room. In my opinion, as well. No, um, I agree with you, there, Chris. So, so, so tell us, you've had a you talk in the um, we talked in the introduction about you know you having a a challenging kind of uh, start to your life really tell us a bit about what happened and you know how that left you left you feeling um so it, it, the 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 story really is derived from my mother and father inevitably we're all sort of products of our our past and our history and uh, my mother sort of beautiful Irish lady good Catholic girl uh, who um, unfortunately got herself pregnant uh, not married and um, had went through the really poor ex- terrible experience of having the child taken away from her um, never spoke about her all her life she died my mum in 1998 and in 2000 I got a letter from the lady uh, who was her daughter who became one of the most famous women in Ireland so quite a story in its own right but my mum uh, Noelle was born on Christmas Eve 1943 my mum was sent to, to child taken away um, and sent to London during the during the war. And my father, um, who he'd been serving in, you know, very poignant at this time as the Second World War, you know, the commemorations of the of the end of the Second World War have, have happened and VJ Day. Um, my father was actually in Burma during the war, and he was a vet, um, a veterinary surgeon, and. Um, he had a fairly torrid and terrible time out there, I think. And when they, they met, as soon as he must have just got back and married in, in, um, in 1946, so you know, it's not long after they'd actually, uh, he'd returned and she'd been there in, in England and in London through, through the war. Now that, I think, had, they had a crazy time um, for 13 years till two children came along. And my elder sister, Rumney, was born in, in, in 58 and my, my twin sister and I the year later. And I think that added um, some challenges into a very, probably a very um, passionate um, relationship. And my father, sadly, had had the impact of Burma and what had happened out there and what he'd seen. And he was an alcoholic and he was he somehow managed to run a successful veterinary practice. But uh, he was a drunk and it was a dangerous place to be. And I think after six years, it was the age of when we got to the age of six, my mother decided actually we needed to get out of the dangerous place. Some of my earliest memories were sort of trying to hold in my sisters, my mum, hold the kitchen door to stop my father getting in, holding onto his leg on one occasion, trying to stop and get across the room being kicked off. So those, I mean, these are in, in the scheme of things, I think people, there are many, many people out there have much more profound trauma in their lives and their early lives than, than I did, but it did have an impact. And when my mum took us away and said to me at the age of six, right, son, you're now the man of the family. Uh, look after your mother and your sisters. It was, um, 
it had a massive impact on me. And I really, I didn't know, the only way I really knew was through um, what I'd, I guess what I'd witnessed. And, uh, and, you know, my sister would say, so-and-so pulled my hair or someone's called us a name or, and, and I was in, you know, punching, fighting, you know, taking everyone on. I was lost. I was frightened. I was angry. I was lacking in confidence. And, and of course, constantly trying to prove myself as that father. Um, so, yeah, that had a massive impact on me as a, as a young man and, and stayed with me for quite some significant time, which, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get to that transformation to how I feel about myself and, and life now. Wow. Well, and then you, you, you decided to kind of in some ways following the footsteps that your father did and go into the army I'm obviously not become a vet but uh, what, what made you decide to go in the army and and how was it that it had how did it have such a positive impact on you yeah uh i guess i think i'm sure my father did have an, an impact i remember all the th- stuff that he had when he came back from uh, from burma and the, the house you know he looked at, used to look after you know circus animals and so on he didn't like circuses but he used to look after the animals so we had uh, this crazy house in london uh, where we grew up and he had all this kid he brought back from burma and he had weapons and there was commando daggers and i'm only finding out years later through he he married again i found out that he, i had a step oh, sorry a half brother as well and a half sister on my father's side and i'm only finding out more about his history and possible work with the chindits behind the lines but i think osmosis and i was determined i wanted to be and as a little kid i used to read all those commando books um someone then told me that the commandos the, the royal marines were actually in the navy and i said well i don't want to go in the navy I, so what's the next best thing and the infantry was what i went to and i was lucky enough to then get a seconded for two years with the royal marines uh, which was a, a brilliant and formative couple of years in my life what did it give me uh, an understanding, I think, of what real leadership is about and how you care for people and how you, if you're going to put someone's life at risk and if you're going to ask them to do things that uh, is going to going to frighten them or are unpleasant, you have to know and understand and care about them and they have to believe in you and trust you. And I think that building credit in the bank, really caring about your people was something I fundamentally took from my period in the army and, and something I've been able to help other leaders with, um, you know, as we, as we go forward and people first, let's care about them. That way you, uh, you win their, and tr- their trust, their respect, their confidence. And you gained an M- MBE. How did you, how did you do that? What, what happened? Well, that, <laughs> that, that actually was a fantastic um, honour to get. And of course, no one ever achieves these things on their own. And it was in, in, I received it and I was able to wear that wonderful medal uh, and go to the palace and meet the Queen and, and be presented with the, um, uh, the, an order of the, or the member of the British Empire medal. Um, it was actually through for work during the war in, in Bosnia. And it was, I guess, one of the things that I took from my service life was you can make a difference if you really want to. And we were in the middle of a, a, a significant conflict with a very tiny UN force um, overmatched by all the protagonists involved in that war. Uh, we were bombed. We were shelled. There was some nasty stuff went on. There were deaths. We lost four guys in the first week of our tour out there as, as a battalion. And this was a moment where we stepped up as leaders. But what we were also able to do was look at what spare capacity we had outside of our military, normal military tasks of patrolling and vehicle control points and 
and supporting the, uh, the population. But keeping safety within an area was really critical to it. But we were also able to put a, to rebuild about five schools, get the military and the prisoners of war out of uh, out of schools and and rebuild them and get young people back into education with a, about five thousand kids back into schools that uh, the five schools we rebuilt during the time we were there. And that was recognised that that um, it made a difference to the sort of future of the not just the population but of the of the country so yeah special time and i was very lucky to reckon uh, be recognized for it but on behalf of my boys and my soldiers a special time however that that i mean that bosnian conflict was was brutal uh, i mean you were obviously you were peacekeeping force i imagine being on the the british side but you'll have seen some things there you know how did you you cope with that the I think this the camaraderie uh, is the thing that holds soldiers together. I mean, there is a lot of dark humour. I think we need to use that quite often. But there is the the depth of relationships of honesty that you can have with your your soldiers that actually is a. I don't know that mutual empathy uh, somehow allows you to get through some really tough challenges, and 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 often the sort of tough, brittle, sorry, tough, um, stiff, stiff, um, upper lip um, sort of approach, and not talking about things is not helpful, and that has led to some real challenges in in post traumatic stress disorder for many people over the years. But we we tended to try to get to sit down and talk through you know, with some very nasty issues when we lost children um, and had to deal with that, and and we sat the boys down and we sat and we talked about it and we said how are you feeling and many of them were actually most mostly the parents are the ones who were mostly damaged uh, by those sorts of um, events occurring because they thought about their kids at home but for me it was that camaraderie it was that sort of care for not just having the responsibility of caring for others but knowing that they they cared and wanted success for me and did you uh, we're going to go to commercial break uh, just a couple of minutes Uh, did you I'm I'm interested did you you had all as a child you had these challenges which impacted your kind of confidence and then I'm I'm sort of getting a sense of you know you're being you know a, a real a real leader in the army and uh, was it during the army that you kind of opened that box and uh, and dealt with some of those issues or has it been you know in your life since you be, with you becoming a an expert in leadership and self-development and uh, you know making the best of yourself well, I hope we can tell a little bit more of that transformational story as I left the military. I guess where the military really helped me was actually, and what I think I, I don't think I did brilliantly, what I did, I think I did well and I loved my soldier and I worked brilliantly um, across my own company uh, and, and subsequently my battalion. I cared about my soldiers really fundamentally, but what I wasn't so good at, and I absolutely would open up to that, I wasn't very good with my peers. I was highly competitive. I was very sensitive um, and I wasn't very good working upwards. Um, I love the independence of operations. I love the, you know, people being given autonomy. And I was one who took advantage of that where I could. So I, I, I knew, I know where I got some really good stuff from the, from the military. And it's actually in leaving that I, I, I sort of addressed this idea of, well, this, um, this recognition that I've been dealing with an imposter for all my service life, 23 years as an army officer and not believing I was good enough and tr- trying to prove myself all the time, which has both, it can have some positive effects, but mainly uh, negative ones. And I, you know, very welcome to discussing more of that as, uh, after the break. Excellent. Yeah, well, I, re- I recognise that winning formula. That was, uh, that was my, it's a lot of people's actually, isn't it? You need to, 
needing to prove that you're good enough all the time and uh, uh, and it can be, lead to lots of success, but it can actually be pretty exhausting as well. We're back again with everybody in just a couple of minutes. Do join us after the break. We're going to talk a bit more about this, but we're going to get into uh, five, uh, five winning routines that are going to really help you uh, to consistently show up at your best. So join us again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific. Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Farron Drury, and we're talking about showing up at your best. And Farron and I were having a, a great conversation in the break, and uh, and we're just sort of saying that you know, those those situations that Farron experienced when he was young, as a young child, um, you know, those are um, you know traumatic and and very challenging and, and impact you. And you know, to some extent, we all have we all have stories and experiences that that kind of shape us. Um, but then. Yeah, there's a point in time where we, we have to start doing work on ourselves. And I'm, I'm interested, Farron, you know, you had, you went into the army, then you realized with the, the army that you had some oppor- further opportunities to kind of work on yourself. I, I'm, I'm 52 and I still work on myself every flipping day. Um, mm-hmm. Is this something that you can just, um, you can have a period of time and completely kind of fix yourself and be the best you can be? Or is it a, a discipline that we need to continue for the rest of our lives? Oh, I think you've nailed it uh, there, Chris. It is something you, you know, there's nothing, there's no such thing as the sort of perfect example. You know, you, you're constantly working on yourself. And, I, and it's actually a very liberating thing to do because you start to unlock uh, your own potential, which is, which is really exciting. And, I, you know, I have to say, I think the reason I left the army ultimately was we adopted, with my ex-wife and I actually, but we adopted two children. 
and they've been through some significant trauma. And, and as a result of learning about what they've been through and learning about attachment theory, I suddenly got a, well, I was lucky to get an interest in um, neuroscience. I did a neuroscience lecture series and started, you know, working and understanding more about Buddhism and happiness. And I read a great book by Matt Ricard, one of the beautiful happy monks, um, who was a, who, who wrote a book called Happiness, How to Develop Life's Most in- Important Skill. And I just thought, hang on, this, this makes sense to me. We train our minds. You know, we, we don't have to be victims to what has happened to us in the past. We can actually make some choices about how we deal with some of those issues, incidents, traumas that have occurred. Some of it's so deep-seated that you need really, really top professional help. But I've, I was lucky enough to be with some really quality people who raised my level of self-awareness as to why I've been behaving in a certain way for a long period of time and gave me the option, the opportunity, the potential to change some of that. And that's been the journey I've been on and will continue to be on. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, it's not just your child, is it? it? We all have situations that that happen during our lives. It's that, um, you know, times when we're on a, on a down and, uh, and life suddenly seems to be colluding against us, but actually we often learn more on those dips, don't we? And then, then we, you know, we, we move out of that and we, we learn from it and we start to see the silver linings in it and we move into another phase. So it's not, it's not just childhood, is it? It can be. Oh, without a doubt. Right through your life. Well, no, absolutely, Chris, right through your life. And, and actually it's often those little things that, are, well, not even some significant issues that occur that trigger memories from your, from your past or trigger emotions and so on. Uh, but I think you're really nailed how sometimes you, if you can, you, you are going through a really tough stage or a tough time, but how you identify actually some good might come of this. And there's a beautiful Japanese haiku, which goes something like this. I'm, it's not absolutely perfect, but I, it's one I've uh, had to draw on a number of times and helped other people with it goes something like this now my house has burnt down it affords me a wonderful view of the moon mm-hmm. and it's sort of in the moment can you see that whilst i'm going through a really tough stage or a tough time like, like i did with a with a divorce you know what goods what good could come from this and you know i'm very lucky to meet another beautiful lady on a on the plane subsequent to that and i'm a ma- ma- married a second marriage now but immensely happy and um forgiven or any rubbish that occurred in the past and just move forward so i think how you can take and look at what good can come from bad things is a is a real strength wow i i love that uh, japanese haiku i've written that down that uh, is is great to reflect on isn't it when you hit those hit those challenges a lot of people are right now in this uh, covid scenario mm. and um, and with and all the other things that seem to be going on in the world right now <clears throat> i'm interested farron to just chat, chat through your winning routines because uh, I, i'm assuming that people are listening to this and and probably feeling unsettled by the world right now probably um but actually right now i think it's even more important that we show up at our best and that we utilize this time to kind of raise our consciousness. There's a lot of challenges and questions in the world that need people who are able to solve them and, uh, and, and bring, as you and I found talk, you know, kind of a, a loving approach to it rather than a, a fear one. Uh, and I think your routines can really help. So do you want to just tell us top line what those routines are? And we'll hopefully have a chance to, to chat through some of them. Well, the one that lands with people, which I use right at the beginning of any event that I run, is um, winning routine number one, choose your mood. Uh, 
Now, the reason I, I, I sort of bang on about this is that, of course, we all know that actually the mood we bring ripples into other people. And if we can choose a positive, enthusiastic, um, grateful, loving mood, how, what impact that can have. And, the, it's, you know, I'm, I, I love the sort of forward goal or toward goal or pro, a language of that. But sometimes you have to look at the gap. Uh, and, the, 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 of course, the impact of not having a good mood when you come home from a hard day at work and or something something in during COVID's really annoyed you and you 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 ripple and exude this sort of anger and revenge or uh, upset how much what does that do how does that impact on your relationships and so on so that's choose your mood if you choose a positive one what ripple you can cause and what impact it can have on your on your success <coughs> and your performance I actually had a guest on the show a few weeks ago Andy Cope who's a happiness uh, uh, got a PhD in happiness and uh, uh fantastic um guy and he was actually giving us some percentages on that and he was saying you know if you're in a good mood and and in the morning and you're you're positive and you go and talk to your children in that kind of a way um during the day that has a 24 percent positive impact on them and then they go into school and they talk to the bus driver and actually say you know hello how are you and that has a 16 percent impact on their day and then i think it was something like the next ripple was something like seven percent but actually as you do that you can see that your the ripples are kind of rippling through not just your immediate connections, but you know by the end of the day you might you don't know how many people you've impacted. Well, that, isn't that beautiful? I mean, having those statistics behind it adds to something that we you know actually instinctively understand anyway. But to have those sorts of figures and facts behind it, it just adds another a little bit of credibility you know to this option. And you know the fact to choose your mood, you know, it, it is a it is a personal determination to say okay i'm opening the door now i'm going into my family i've had a a, a bad day at work i use, almost used a bad word then i I've, I've had a bad day at work i've been chewed off you know by the you know the boss has given me a right hard time i've had this that and i'm going in that door but my my instinct now is i have to choose the right move it's not my family's fault that this happened to me i know that if i go in with a bad mood it's going to be a bad evening. But if I know, if I can, as I open that door, say, right, what's the mood I need to have because they deserve it. That's a lovely way of putting it. And do, do you, in terms of strategies to do that, do you have strategies like exercise or meditation or reading things or reciting things to, to get yourself in that mood so you're on your front foot when you leave the door or when you, when you, leave, when you actually open yeah. the bedroom door? Yeah. All of those, uh, Chris, I have to say, I was very lucky as a... I, I boxed as a kid um, at the reasonably high level, got to the ABA finals of Great Britain as a, as a junior. Oh, wow. Uh, but my boxing coach got me into transcendental meditation when I was 14. Um, oh, so wow. I've been practicing that ever since. I haven't got to levitation quite yet, but I love uh, TM. It's helped me throughout really, really tough times when I, you know, working crazy hours on operations, making sure I took the time away to get perspective, to quieten my mind to be able to focus and, and concentrate and to be grateful for the things I've got so yeah meditation has been a key part of my life and I love them some of the mindfulness apps now one that I love particularly is 10% happier which uh, you know your the audience in the states will know Dan Harris who, who fronts that up but I I've learned loads from some of the beautiful meditation speak, speakers on on that app and I use that very very regularly um, and I meditate every day so that that's that part of it and then sort of training your mind um approaching life in a way that says god i'm lucky i'm very very lucky to have what i have and be grateful for it there's something very powerful about meditation isn't there it's uh, it almost 
you know, it gives you, it gives you access to so much more. We talked to a bit of, with Tom Campbell about that a few weeks ago, and he's been studying consciousness and meditating for 45 years. And, uh, and he was talking about how, you know, you, that it, it gives you access to so much more. It's kind of a, a route into intuition and, um, the, the non-physical world. And, and, uh, we don't fully understand how that non-physical world impacts the real world, but, but by going into meditation, I certainly find that when I do that, you know, new ideas come to me and thoughts and, you know, somebody I need to ring and, uh, and, and I just seem to have greater intuition through doing it and, and less when I don't, um, as well as that impact on your mood. It's, uh, it, it's, it's powerful, isn't it? And you, you exercise a lot. You were saying during the break that helps too, doesn't it? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the connection between the mental and the physical, you know, and emotional and spiritual, you know, these, all these energies, if you can um, optimize all of them, you know, then you are going to show up at your best. But the foundation, of course, is, is the physical, because if you're under the weather or if you're dealing with COVID or you're, you know, you, you are, you've got a flu or whatever it is, it undermines your ability to show up at your best. So yeah. trying to sustain your physical strength. And one of the, the uh, one of the sort of little mnemonics that I picked up through working with some really great Olympians over the years and, I think I shared with us uh, on that uh, webinar we did once, uh, Chris, was the shed, uh, shed O2, the sh- get in the mm. shed, which make sure you get enough sleep, make sure you get your hydrating properly, water, you know, you're exercising enough during the week and, and, and you have a great diet. So get in the shed and that gives you that foundation of really great physical energy. Ah, excellent. Oh, that's good. I actually, I've shared that with one or two of my clients and, and quoted you, but I'd actually replaced hydration with get your head in order. So through like something like meditation. So um, I, I missed that. That was hydration. But you, yeah. could use, you could use that as well, couldn't you? You, you absolutely could. I mean, you know, there's no monopoly on great ideas. And if you want to add and adapt them, then, <laughs> you know, uh, so, but I, I, the shed in terms of that's the physical energy bit, you know, and then actually working with the sort of meditation and mindfulness and you know building growth mindset, some of the areas that I work on with sort of how you build your mental energy. I'd, uh, I'd, uh, I'd explain that to one a client, a lo- lo- lovely guy. And uh, I, a little bit later on, I, I walked past and I saw him having a cigarette outside the shed outside the office. And I said, that, that wasn't this kind of, that wasn't the shed that I was referring to. <laughs> Just in case you got the wrong idea. Hey, we've got to go to commercial break now. We need, we need to talk about a few more of these routines after the break. Um, so we'll, we'll come back in just a couple of minutes. Do join us. There's lots more. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one to one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free no obligation consultation to see how chris and his team can help you have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. 
You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Farron Drury. We're talking about uh, about uh, showing up as your best. And we're talking about some of Farron's uh, five winning routines. We talked about choosing a mood. I want to talk about uh, choosing a story now, Farron. Tell us what that's about. Great. Well, winning routine number two, choose your story. And this is choosing your story about yourself. I'll come back to that a bit more in, that, in a moment. About others and how you impact on them and about situations and events. So three sort of areas of that, really. Um, so choosing a story about yourself, uh, this is a critical thing in terms of building self-esteem and, and having confidence in yourself because so often we're given this idea that self-awareness is about always focusing on the things that we're not good at, that we need to develop. And that's, that's important. But actually, if we're truly honest, let's look at what we are good at, what are our strengths. Sometimes we don't even notice them and other people need to, to tell us what our strengths are. What do they come to you for help with? But, you know, understanding what our strengths are, what are the proud stories we have? Now, proud stories, it's not a very English thing. You know, we, we're, uh, we, we don't tend to do that. But I, I try to help people really understand that there are things that they've achieved in their life. There's things they've overcome in their life that they really need to reflect on and, and maybe anchor back to when they need to be resilient when they're going through tough times when they need to show up at their best a pitch or an interview or a you know a, you know a, a radio interview but recognize those proud stories that you've been through in your life achievements things you've overcome people you've helped and anchor to those so that you can show up at your best so that's choosing a story about yourself really important second is choosing a story about others and and actually the story you told is part of the introduction in terms of visioning where you want to be in a year's time um i picked this up from a beautiful book called the art of possibility Roz and ben zander uh and actually telling the story about where you are in a year's time but in, in part of it um or, or and why you've got there but part of it is giving this idea of giving the a and the uh, the letter he asked people to write was Dear Mr. Zander, I got my A because, and write it in a year's time. But giving the A was a philosophy of how do you leave people feeling? So you're not just giving yourself that A, but how do you leave other people feeling that you believe in them, that you care about them, that you value them? And that is once you can choose the right stories about people and sometimes have to forgive them. And that's a really powerful part of, of, of the work I do is in forgiveness is how you let go of some of the rubbish that has held back decent relationships really uh, being as strong as they could be. But choose, and in particular as a leader, let people feel that you believe in them and give them the opportunity, every opportunity to show up at their best and you see what you get out of them. And then finally, in, in a very brief uh, way of saying this, but um, yeah, choosing story about events and, and situations is, you know, visioning what, how this could be. If I show up at my best, how's this meeting going to be? How's this interview going to be? How's this difficult conversation going to be if I bring compassion and care and my best to it? And visioning that and choosing your story about that makes it much more likely it's going to occur. It doesn't guarantee it, but it makes it much more likely you're going to show up at your best and you'll have the best impact on the people you're, or individuals you're dealing with. Excellent. I was just uh, looking at some, something I was writing about yesterday about uh, about making choices based on caring, compassion, and cooperation. 
So it's that way it's very aligned in our language. Um, and it's isn't it? You know, we we could we we've got to when it comes to ourselves as well and and others. You can by changing the story, you can change how you feel about it. So you know, if you if you you could look back on the situations, can't you? And by choosing to see them differently than maybe you originally did, um, you can kind of kind of dilute them, can't you? And and it helps you then moving forward. I, I think there's something about um, this kind of the way you frame things in your head and uh, and and being open to actually that your your belief system is getting in your way from you uh, processing them effectively. Oh, I think you're ne- you're hitting on something which is about memory, which is very 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 powerful. And um, there's some Buddhist principles in the lovely concept of of picking weeds and planting flowers. Yes, uh, I, I you know you probably you know it, Chris. But this idea really that actually a lot of our our memories are um, implicit, not explicit, and we sort of build a little videotape around, and particularly some of the more challenging ones and difficult ones, and they're often more negative and worse than actually the the event that occurred. So I think your point, your point about sort of really examining the, your beliefs, your your memories, and and actually unpicking what really happened, and and, that, and to be frank, in some of the work on post traumatic stress disorder and some of the stuff we were doing in Bosnia was to try to get this. And I didn't know any of this then. I have to tell you, it was just instinct really that we needed to talk about things, but help individuals who've gone through difficult times to really unpick what has occurred rather than embed some unhelpful. Um, memories which lead to unhelpful beliefs about how life might pan out for them hmm. so, so out of the out of the five if there's one more that we should talk about what would it be well choose your behavior uh it's winning routine number three i mean the other two are choosing your energy and impact and we've spoken about the shed already and there's a few other yeah. things in that and choose to be a winning leader is a bit of a catch-all if i'm perfectly honest um about how do you show up and win the confidence and support of your team but choosing your behavior for me is really powerful because what this is about is actually recognizing and understanding what you stand for. What are your personal values and actually how well are you standing up and living to them? And the reason I say that, is that I mean, the transformation I've been on and, 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 you know, my old leadership business, when I first joined and left the army, I thought I was a leader and I'd done some big stuff and so on. However, the steep learning curve was truly getting under the skin of who I was and raising my level of self-awareness and recognizing why I'd been brittle and sensitive and, and reacting not well to, to things and understanding, you know, your, your values and going Back to that, what is important to you? How do you want to then lead your life? Because I could recognize times in my life when actually I was disappointed with myself. I I wasn't behaving in a way. And and that led to undermining of my confidence and my ability to show up at my best. Whereas you turn that round and if you can look yourself in the eye in in, in a mirror when you're having your, you know, doing your makeup or having a shave in the morning. uh, I know it's been the latter for you, I hope, Chris. um, (laughs) Uh, you know, you can actually look at yourself in the eye. It's the weekend, Farron. I can. Uh, oh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but um, but you can look at yourself in the eye and actually say, "I am doing my best. I'm doing my best to live up to my values." And what that does for people in terms of lifting their sense of self, being proud of themselves rather than disappointed, and what that can do for your confidence and for your performance. So, really, really important that concept of trying to understand 
deeply and live up to and challenge yourself regularly on living up to your values. So that's a big one on choosing your behavior. And the other, the other aspects of some of that is about, you know, um, understanding neuroscience a bit more, being more emotionally intelligent and, and um, some of those things. But that's the key one, I think, um, is values. I guess it's looking when you see certain behaviors in yourself. I know I, I, I can have sometimes have you know, lovely days and I feel very, very, um, you know, kind of pleased with my behavior and how I'm impacting with people. And, you know, life kind of sees, seems good. And then suddenly, you know, my son will come in and say something and my buttons have been pressed and, uh, and, you know, my, my mouth opens and, I, and um, that, that then leads me to going, having to sit quietly, feeling a bit, frustrated and disappointed with myself and uh, and having to work out how to behave differently in an impulsive situation how to you know how to kind of reframe that and work with it such that I don't repeat that pattern well really good I mean absolutely Chris and we've all learned the hard way in these things and sometimes we haven't learned and we continue to repeat that same behavior and I think you know actually you've you know you picked out on choosing your behavior some of the other stuff is understanding the neuroscience is really understanding what are those triggers that occur in us that get us to not be emotionally intelligent not recognize that this is you know a perception of pain or dis or that you know someone's well, there's a great concept of scar- the scarf model that people have threatened us about our status, our certainty, our autonomy, our relatedness, our fairness. It's a great model, but it's understanding actually we react in a fight, flight, freeze sort of way when we're triggered. And it's really having that greater level of self-awareness to recognize the cues to be able to handle those situations so we don't um, overreact. Um, we respond in a more emotionally intelligent way. Uh, and that way you can, of course, be more, probably be proud of yourself and, and less disappointed. But, you know, we're human beings as well. And we have to recognize that we're <laughs> going to get these things wrong. Uh, and we all do. And, and if we can do the right thing afterwards by apologizing, you know, seriously, but apologizing and, and being remorseful and saying, I'll, I'll, I'm going to learn from that. I'm going to try and not do that again. We can move forward. Yes. Yes. And I, I guess we, these, these little things that though, don't they if you know that, that could seem like a little thing but actually if you can shift that and you know my, my aim is to be the calm in the storm is where i where i where i'm working i work towards and um that again it has has ripples if you are the calm in the storm doesn't it rather than than flying off the flying off the handle um because that you know, impacts how my son might go and feel or, or, and who he talks to. And, but it can, these little things all add up, don't they? These sort of slight tw- changes in behavior to yeah. help you improve yourself and, and show up in a, in a better way consistently. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. And, and, you know, interestingly, this whole period that we've been, we've been going through in, in um, COVID and, and crisis is it, it, it almost accentuates these challenges and, and how we, as leaders need to demonstrate to be the calm in the storm. We have to look very hard at ourselves because we're human beings too, and we can get things wrong, but we have to be able to have those conversations and open up and, and try to bring the words that you use, uh, compassion and care, uh, courage, love, kindness, bring those to yourself as well as the people you, you work with. Um, and in crisis times, it's absolutely fundamental. So you've got a, a system that you've created uh, around make it yours. Tell, mm. tell us about that and how it helps people. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, this this again came from my part my time in the military, where actually I was responsible for for about three years running around a lot of uh, nations in Africa and the Middle East, and also training a lot of the well the the guys who are in our operational headquarters in in the UK, the Joint Force headquarters, a permanent Joint headquarters, in the concepts of campaign planning, how to produce a campaign which is going to have a significant strategic impact. Um, where and so so what was Sierra Leone? What is Sierra Leone going to look like in 10 years time and we built this around a thing called the campaign planning tools and out of it one of them was this campaign plan schematic which is a visual representation of a set of decisive points or stepping stones to an end state that you're trying to achieve which could be you know freedom of movement work in, work in um, democracy you know work in economy uh, you know major things but what are the stepping stones along the way and what are the lines of operational routes to take you there now I taught this for about three years and I thought my god this is a brilliant way of presenting on one screen uh, a strategic plan which people can see the detail in and then interrogate the detail behind uh, see the see the outline big picture but be able to interrogate the detail behind it and as a result of that I took that out um, and many people you know I tried it for a number of years with with various clients and we we built them on walls you know that built sort of post-it post-it pads lines of operation big strategic plans and then had it developed as a piece of software by a, a good friend of mine years ago and then learned that that wasn't fit for purpose in today's demanding need so actually put my money where my mouth was which is what people said and and developed an app which we developed initially as an ipad application and a web application but now it's a purely a web application which can use on any um, on any platform, which is a way of really building out uh, a plan, a visual representation of a plan to an end state, which could be, you know, a, a, a big goal. Or it could be a small goal. It could be, you know, losing weight. But actually, there are different aspects of how you want to do that it could be winning you know running in the london marathon and fundraising fitness you know bringing other friends with you having a life at the same time and so i i put this idea of uh, this together and it's a very funky really beautifully developed app by a company called rock media or rock down in um, in exeter who developed it for me and and um you know, had a lot of interest in it. A lot of people use it for personal goal setting as well as for strategic planning and and team goal setting so uh it, i love it it has a a background to in well, my sort of strap line, if you like, is enriching lives and transforming leadership and performance, but enriching lives by connecting people to build, share and achieve their goals. And, and with this idea that this has got to be a collaborative effort, no one achieved anything on their own. So get alongside it, sit down with someone, work out a plan together and then go to action. Sounds uh, very, very helpful system. And that's um, is, it, is, it, is it go make it that you access that? Correct. Yeah. So uh, go, go and check that out. Go make it yours.com. If you've got any kind of project, uh, um, whether it's a personal project around your own sort of self-development, health, fitness, or a project for your, your organization, uh, then have a look at that. that. That might be a really helpful system to enable you to, to plan that more uh, carefully and effectively. And of course, you've got the wisdom there of, uh, of military planners who are, um, have to execute these things with life and death. So I'm sure it's uh, going to be very, very um, well constructed uh, I've got no doubt if I had a little look at it and it looks fabulous so we're going to um, end the show in a, in a sort of couple of minutes now and I wonder Farron if you've got a final message that you'd like to leave us with 
Well, I th- I think we've brought out, I mean, what a rich conversation, Chris. I'm really grateful to you for sort of un- unlocking that in me. Uh, but I, I guess some of the key things that came out for, for me and what I, a message I would say to people is about being yourself, but with more skill and therefore, you know, learning and being, raising your own levels of self-awareness and trying to work out, okay, how do, what's the vision I have for myself, my family, exactly as you described your, your letter in, in a year's time. Uh, and then really embracing life and taking, taking opportunities, being grateful every day for what we have, you know, spreading love and kindness, compassion, you know, it sounds weird coming from a, a, a former soldier, but those are the things that have really changed my life fundamentally in my care for, for the people around me and my, my care for myself, actually. Um, so so be compassionate with others, be kind to others, and be kind to yourself. Excellent. And finally, if you've got a vision, make it yours. Excellent. Well, I think just on that point there, I mean, I, um, just so people are clear, you know, I want, I want you to, to go into, um, you know, into a date 12 months ahead and actually write it as though it's already happened. Right. So it's not just a vision, it's, it's happened. And, yeah. uh, you know, imagine it that it's happened and describe what's happened and you might even need a version two. I'm just about to write a version two, I think, because I've w- realized I want to step it up even, even further. Um, but there's something when you do that, isn't there? There's, there's something where, you know, people and circumstances and situations seem to come to your aid and the right information at the right time. And who knows how this all, all this happens. Uh, Tom Campbell will tell us more about that next week, no doubt. But, uh, but it, but it, but things do, don't they? They they come together and they help you. And you've helped uh, you've helped greatly today, Farron. Uh, lots of people, I think, to to really think about these components of showing up your best. You're an inspiration, and I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. Thank thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Chris. I've really enjoyed being with you. Um, rich, very very rich. Thank you. You're welcome. And, and, and on next week's show, we've got Tom Campbell again. It's part two. Tom, if you don't know who he is, he was a, a NASA physicist. Um, he's um, worked on high-tech defense systems um, for, the, for the U.S. For, uh, military. Um, and in parallel for 45 years, studied consciousness. He's written a book called My Big Toe, My Big Picture Theory of Everything, which explains every, everything. And, uh, and we, talk about, we talked about consciousness and reality in the first episode and lots of different components. And we're now really moving into, into business and, and uh, how all of this thinking and uh, this amazing work that Tom has done, which is being scientifically proven, um, can help us in terms of our business. We're going to talk about um, about you know planning from a conscious, understanding the big picture for your business, about um, working with your people and understanding them, and really developing intuition so you get information through that's really really accurate uh, that can help you navigate and become a, a tremendous success and, and contribute to the world's uh, solutions to the, the world's problems right now, not uh, negatively. Uh, impact them um, because we are as, as a result of um, our human behavior or exactly uh, the effect has been um, exactly related to how um, people have acted in the past so we need to reverse that and you can help so we're back with you again next week do join us again um, chris at chriscooper.co.uk please get in touch if uh, i can help you in any way and uh, feedback is always greatly appreciated We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more.
achieve more.